welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Book of First Samuel, First Samuel chapter eighteen. We are going to be looking here in our Bible. This is the third of a four-part sermon series on the making of a godly man. It's the young life of David. And what we're about to see here is how the Lord, young David, he just killed Goliath last chapter, in chapter 17. And God's hand was upon David. And here's what we're going to see in this uh, passage about how God's hand is on David. And this is what it looks like when God blesses us. We've come here to church, and you want the Lord to bless you. You want to experience the Lord's presence. This is what it looks like in the Bible to experience the Lord's presence and the blessing upon your life. David received a very close friend, and that friend was named Jonathan. Jonathan was the oldest son of Saul. And Saul saw something in David that he did not see in his father. What he saw in David is really the type of man he wanted to be. Saul, uh, Saul's son Jonathan was next in line to be king. But it was almost like Jonathan knew that Saul's kingdom was going to end. And he was even preparing David to be the king. Not only that, God blessed David at work. You know, this is Labor Day weekend. So, Anything David did, he was a military leader. And one of the reasons God made da- or, or King Saul put David in charge of the military was hopefully he would die. I mean, that's not really the re- good reason to be selected to go to work. But Saul was so wicked and so jealous of David, he was giving him uh, assignments in battle, hoping David would actually die to the Philistines. And knowing that, God blessed David with his family. He married the king's daughter, Miguel. And uh, his first wife, he uh, presented to, Saul presented to David. He pulled back at the last minute. Then he gave his next daughter. And what we see is, David is a man that is blessed. He's best friends with the king's son. He also marries the king's daughter. And the people are cheering after him because of his great military battles and we want to take these principles we're going to see here in our bible this morning and say lord i want you to bless me like this and you know our lives are one of great blessing uh, uh, yesterday started at least uh, for actual college football started a week before but it wasn't the premier games of all the sports in the world you know i know we're in a basketball city but my actual favorite sport is actually college football and college football started yesterday. The real, the real game started yesterday with that. And uh, I love SEC football, and I watch all the different teams play. And I was watching it last night, as I know many of you were. And one of the great things about Alabama, when you watch an Alabama game, is the interview with their coach afterwards. Alabama is coached by Nick Saban. Nick Saban, he's like 72 now. He, he is something else. And uh, Nick Saban, um, their team won 55-0 against Utah State. And every interview with Nick Saban is the same. This is what they're like. you got the guy asking questions. It doesn't matter what just happens. 
And they ask the question, say, Nick, your team played really well. Things went good. You know, what do you think? Well, we, we can always improve. There was opportunities to get better and just, we've got to do better next time. Every, every answer is the same. We've got to do better the next time. There were mental errors. Now, it wasn't even errors on the field because they won 55-0, but there were some mental errors. He's reading the minds of the players. You've got to do better. You know, I was thinking about, Ron, you giving our, our, off, our uh, offering update for this year, and um, if Nick Saban was the chairman of the stewardship committee, this would be, this would be his update. So he'd come up here. He's the chairman. Uh, we, we are even above budget by $10 million, doing incredible. He'd stand up here and say, guys, we got to do better. You know, $10 million, it's you know, good, but you never know. There's always opportunities to improve. And that, that is an, that's a college football Nick Saban update. No matter where you are, how bad or good, there's always an opportunity to improve. And what we're about to see here in our Bible is um, in, David is in this season where truly he can't do anything wrong. God's hand is upon him. And there's not a lot of opportunities to improve for young David at this point. Because you can see how the Lord is just moving and blessing his life. So we're going to read here 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. We're not going to read all three verses. I'm going to break it into two different sections here. We're going to read the first 16 verses. And then in the middle, I actually want, uh, there's a big theological question we're going to come to in the middle. And we're going to get it answered in Luke chapter 22. So we're going to flip over in Bibles and look what Jesus says about something here. But 1 Samuel chapter 18, God's word says, When David had finished speaking with Saul, it's after killing Goliath, Jonathan was bound to David in close friendship and loved him as much as he loved himself. Saul kept David with him from that day on and did not let him return to his father's house. So Saul saw something in young David and says, you know what, you're such a fine young man, you now live in the king's palace, you're going to start working for me if you kill Goliath. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as much as himself. Now, unfortunately, people who uh, maybe who want to advocate for homosexuality will read verse 3 and say, that Jonathan and David had a gay relationship. Now, folks, nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Nowhere in the Bible does it imply that. The Bible says that Jonathan and David were close friends. And I want to tell you what I believe what happened. Jonathan was next in line to be king after his father, King Saul. Saul had a lot of problems. Saul was would try to kill David. Saul would fly into fits of rage. Saul was a jealous, angry man. He was always looking around his shoulder, thinking someone was out to get him. He suffered with severe insecurity. And Jonathan saw this in his dad. And what he saw in David, who now David has been welcomed into the king's court, he thought, that's the type of man I want to be. That's like for us. Maybe you weren't blessed. Now, I've got my dad here on the front row this morning. Maybe, and I was very blessed, I have godly parents. But maybe 
you grew up in a home where your dad did not set a good, godly example. You did not have that. Well, the Lord might and likely could bring another man in your life, maybe in church or at school, or another family member who, or a grandparent who teaches you the ways of the Lord, who instructs you on the right things to do. That's, what, that's how I view Jonathan and David. These were friends. And I want to tell you, we won't read it during this sermon series, but later on, Jonathan saved David's life. God used this friendship to actually to protect David. And we, they didn't realize what the Lord was doing, but it was going on right here. There was a relationship that would be formed that would actually be greatly for David's advantage. Verse 4, Then Jonathan removed the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his military tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Why, what does that mean? Jonathan took off his kingly, you know, he's the crown prince. He's not just the prince, he's the crown prince. Next in line. My parents love following uh, the British monarch. What's the gentleman's name next in line? Prince William. Prince William. No. Prince Charles. I should know that. Prince Charles right now is the crown prince. He's next in line after Queen Elizabeth. And then it's Prince William, I believe. So I got he's, he's second in line. That's his son. So that's who Jonathan is. He's Prince Charles today. So he's, he's taking off his clothes and realize, David, I, I see something in you. The Lord sees something in you. I'm going to give you my kingly crown prince clothes. You start wearing what I'm supposed to be wearing. Because the Lord's gracious upon you. David marched out with the army and was successful in everything Saul sent to him to do. Saul put him in command with the fighting men, which pleased all the people and Saul's servants as well. As the troops were coming back, when David was returning from killing the Philistines, the women came out of all the cities of Israel to meet King Saul, singing and dancing with tambourines, with shouts of joy, and with three-string instruments. As they danced, the women sang, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. That meant David killed more. Saul didn't like that. Saul was furious and resented this song. Do you know, one of the hardest things to do is to encourage someone else. Maybe someone you even feel like is inferior to you as they receive a blessing. Saul is the king. This boy over here is receiving greater success in his military endeavors. And the people love David. And Saul can't praise and encourage and rejoice in God's blessing upon his life. This would be like your younger sibling who you don't even like, maybe if you had a younger brother, all of a sudden, everything good happens in their life. They get the better job. They get a better wife. They get the better car. Every, I mean, it's just like, gosh, I, you get everything, and I get less. Yet, instead of being resentful, you rejoice in them. 
That's what's going on here. Saul is jealous. He's resentful of this song. They credited tens of thousands to David, he complained, but they only credited me with thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? Well, he is going to have the kingdom. That's a prophecy right there. Self-fulfilling prophecy, he says. So Saul watched David jealously from that day forward. Do you know what jealousy is? Jealousy is what we would consider is the lack of contentment. You're not content in your situation that God has given you. It breaks the tenth commandment. The tenth commandment says, do not covet. Coveted, covetness is wanting more. It's wanting your neighbor's animals, as the Bible said. It's wanting what others have. It's wanting this over here. You don't have it, but you want it. And you feel, if only I had this. I had these praises. If only the people thought this way about me, my life would be better. The problem with covetousness is it eats you inside. Saul would become a bitter, angry man because he had this continued jealousy and lack of contentment because of David. He wanted everything David had, or was, he felt David had. Yet Saul failed to see he had all of that. It was already been given to him. Yet he wanted what David had. That's the problem with jealousy. Jealousy is a dangerous sin. Folks, it is, an, it is an indwelling sin that eats away inside of you. It, because you feel like, I don't have enough. And I'm angry about it. I want more. And in this case, Saul just wanted this man dead. Keep going here a few more verses in your Bible. We're going to read through verse 16. The next day... Now, this is our theological problem here in the Bible, and we're going to solve it. We hope to solve it. The next day, an evil spirit sent from God came powerfully on Saul, and he began to rave. That meant he was becoming a madman. Inside the palace, David was playing the lyre as usual, but Saul was holding a spear. You know what? When you become a madman and you're holding a spear, what do you do with that spear? And he threw it, thinking, I'll pin David to the wall. But David got away from him. Not once, folks, but twice. Saul is in his palace. He's holding a spear. And this evil spirit comes upon him, sent from the Lord. We're going to look at that. And he's throwing it to kill David. This is attempted murder by the king. And David is such a loyal man, after he dodges it the first time, he just stays right there. I would run away. Hopefully you would run away. Not David. He is so committed to his job. He's the ultimate worker. He stays there and Saul takes another shot at him. And he still misses. <coughs> Saul was afraid of David. Because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. That's the real reason right there. Saul no longer had the presence of the Lord with him, but he was with David. Therefore Saul sent David away from him and made him commander over a thousand men. 
David led the troops and continued to be successful in all his activities because the Lord was with him. When Saul observed that David was very successful, look at this, he dreaded him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was leading their troops. The people loved David. And Saul was envious. He was jealous of it. Now, go back to verse 10 here. The the next day, we'll put it back here on the board. An evil spirit sent from God came powerfully on Saul. Now, this brings up some questions for us. Why would God send an evil spirit on the king he had selected? God had chosen Saul. God had raised up Saul. He's the first king of Israel. Does God do this to us today? Would He send an evil spirit on one of us in 2022? So we're going to answer this. Does God send evil spirits? God is able, we have to remember, God is able to make use of demons for His purpose. We don't see the spiritual world all around us, but the Bible teaches us there are angels and demons throughout this world, all around. And the Lord God is very aware of demonic activity around us. He's aware of it. We should be aware of it. That's what the Bible calls spiritual warfare. Demons are here on earth doing the work of the devil. Angels are here on earth doing the work of the Lord. And the Lord sees these spiritual beings here on earth. We do not see them. I believe when we get to heaven, we are going to be shocked when the Lord reveals to us how many times in our life we were helped and assisted and even, in many ways, saved, made wise choices because of angels. The Bible says there, uh, you could actually be talking to an angel and you don't even recognize it. You aren't even aware of it. And many times in our lives, I believe angels come to us in times of crisis, in times of great loss. Many of you have told me when you lose a spouse or a loved one, you feel the Lord send an angel to help comfort you during that time of great loss, of death in your family. There is a presence with angels. We know God uses angels. He uses them in the Old Testament. He used them to announce Jesus' birth. The Bible says that the angels in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was praying and angels came to strengthen the Lord. Now, did all the other disciples see those angels? Well, they were asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. But if they were awake, probably not. They probably didn't see those angels. So angels gave Jesus strength. And angels do the same with us. But it is we have to be keenly aware that there are demons here in this earth and around us. So the Lord, what He's doing, He's making use of these demons around Saul for His purpose. God likely used the evil spirit as His instrument of judgment against the rebellious king. Saul was in rebellion against the Lord. And what's happened here is the Lord is allowing Saul, 
to be tormented by this evil spirit with a greater purpose. What's the greater purpose? We have to remember, the purpose was for judgment. Saul needed to repent of his wickedness. One of Saul's greatest downfalls, if not the greatest downfall, he never repented of his sin. When Samuel came and confronted him with his sins of disobedience to the Lord, he kept making excuses. And God is looking for us to respond with repentance. When we are confronted with sin and things that we've done wrong, the Lord wants us to turn to Him and repent of those sins. Not make excuses. Everyone in our culture makes excuses. You can make an excuse for anything today. Anything. But that's not what the Lord wants. He wants repentance and a confession. Saul never did it. Remember, God, He isn't vindictive. He doesn't judge us to entice us to sin more. So He's not sending this evil spirit to say, you know what, Saul, I'm so angry at you. I'm going to send an evil spirit on you to make you even worse of a man. That's not the Lord. The Lord sent this evil spirit upon Saul as His judgment for his disobedience with the hope that Saul would turn from his sin and repent. He didn't. He became even more angry at David. More jealous. He ne- never once in the Bible do we see King Saul repent of any of his sins. He just does not do it. So the question for us, would God send an evil spirit on us today? Well, I think we can answer that in the book of Luke. I want you to turn here. This answers our question. This happened with Peter. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32. Peter, he is a very bold man. Jesus is about to get arrested. This is the night before Jesus is about to get arrested. And Jesus is going to tell Peter something that's going to really shake shake what Peter's being. Peter's one of these guys that he was never going to deny Jesus. He, was, he believed in his heart that he was committed and faithful to the Lord. And in verse 31, Luke twenty-two thirty-one, 31, the Bible says, Simon, Simon, that's Peter, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Look at that statement. Satan came to Jesus and said, Jesus, one of your disciples there, Peter, I want to sift him. Do you know what that means? It means I want to see what this man is made of. I know who he is. He's the leader of all your, all your disciples. But Satan was questioning how committed and faithful he was. He wanted to send him through a sifter to see what was going to come out of, from this man. What's ironic about this the devil is asking the Lord, Jesus, the Lord, I, I want Peter. I want this man. This is very similar to when the devil asked for Job in the Old Testament. says, I want Job. I want to see what he's made of. Well, Saul went through the sifter as well and he failed. Job went through the sifter and he, he succeeded. Peter went through the sifter and he failed. So, Yes, 
the Lord is allowing this evil spirit to come upon and to run through Peter, to run through Job, to run through Saul, to see, is this person totally committed to me? But look what, but look what Jesus says. Don't miss this statement here in verse 32. But I, he's talking to Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Jesus is praying for Peter because he knows you're going to get sifted. You're going to get hit, Peter. And when, and you, when you have turned back, that implies you are going to fail, by the way. You're going to turn back. Peter did fail. He failed the sifting. He denied Jesus three times. He disappointed the Lord. But the difference between Peter and Saul, he turned back, meant he repented. Folks, and that's what happens to us. When we have let down and failed the Lord, when you, when you have not lived up to how the Lord wanted you to live, you repent of those sins. You turn back to the Lord. And folks, He forgives you. We have a loving, forgiving, gracious God. And when you have failed... And you, when you have turned back, after you fell, strengthen your brothers. Do you know we can do that today? When you have failed the Lord, you have turned back to the Lord, you have something to offer to fellow believers who are walking through difficult days. Folks, are you an encourager? That's what it means to strengthen other folks. You go about and you strengthen other people. You encourage them in their walk in relationship with Jesus. And Peter was to go, after he turned back, and strengthen the brothers. Saul here never turned back. He never provided strength. Saul had an opportunity to be a real leader to his son Jonathan. To be a real leader and encourager to young David. But he didn't. He was eaten with jealousy inside. Flip back in your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to read our last section here. Last section this morning. God loved Saul. He chose Saul to be king. Yet Saul had rejected the Lord. And God sent an evil spirit to him as a consequence for his disobedience. And for us today, when we find ourselves in disobedience to God, in rebellion to the Lord, and not following God's will and purpose for our lives, we likely could suffer the same consequences as Saul. People who are struggling, and they're, 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 they're filled with this type of sin that Saul, jealousy, envious, they're just eaten alive inside. It could be the Lord allowing you to go through this to say i need to repent this is not who god created me to be i didn't i wasn't made by the lord to be envious and jealous of other people and live as if i'm lacking something saul felt he was missing something and what was he missing he was missing the lord the bible says god had left Saul. If you hear this morning, you feel like you're lacking something. That phrase, God had left Saul. There's your answer. That's what you're missing. Now, what happened here is David marries. He's first offered to marry Saul's oldest daughter, Merah. But then Saul pulled back. 
David didn't feel worthy to marry his oldest daughter. But then Saul had another daughter named uh, Michal, and he ended up marrying Michal. We know later in the Bible, Michal wasn't very loyal to David. She actually still loved her father and her, the house of Saul very much. But pick up here in verse 25. We're going to read 25 through 30. This here is a conversation about uh, uh, the, the price that David has to pay Saul. So what's happening is David is going to pay a bride's price to his future father-in-law. Do you know, I think about it, if Sherry's dad, Harry Coleman, tried to kill me two times with a spear, would I want to marry his daughter? I mean, your father-in-law just tried to kill you. And you think, I think I'll marry into this family. This looks like a great family for me to belong to. I would re- that would really be a strike against you right there if your future father-in-law is trying to kill you. But David married into King Saul's family, and Saul's now becoming his father-in-law. But part of that, he's going to pay a price. So he, Saul wants him to kill 100 Philistines with the purpose of hoping he'll die doing it. Everything that Saul's trying to do, David, is to kill his future son-in-law. Verse 25, then Saul replied, say this to David, the king desires no other bride price except a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. Actually, Saul intended to cause David's death at the hand of the Philistines. That's your father-in-law right there. When the servants reported these terms to David, he was pleased to become the king's son-in-law. He hears, well, I'll do it. Sounds like a great bargain to me. I can kill 100 Philistines. Before the wedding day arrived, David and his men went out and killed not 100, but 200 Philistines. He brought their foreskins and presented them as full payment to the king to become his son-in-law. Then Saul gave his daughter Michal to David as his wife. Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter-in-law, Michal, loved him. And he became even more afraid of David. As a result, Saul was David's enemy from that day on. What a, what a wedding. Wedding is uh, father-in-law. All of a sudden, it becomes enemy with his enemies with his new son-in-law. Every time the Philistine commanders came out to fight, David was more successful than all of Saul's officers. So his name became well-known. Look at the contrast. Look at the blessing upon young David's life. Look at everything has been given to David and God's hand is upon him. This is what it looks like to see a young man who seeks after the Lord. David didn't make excuses. Saul comes to him and says, go kill 100 Philistines. David's pleased and says, hey, that's a, great, that's a great deal. I'll do it. And then he doubled that number. And we see King Saul, who's becoming more afraid and envious and jealous. And folks, these con- the Bible contrasts these two men. David and Saul. And this is what it looks like when the hand of the Lord is upon you in David's life. And our goal this morning for us, we see the characteristics of David. We see what happened to Saul. And we can contrast our lives the same way. 
Folks, if you're here this morning and you're like Saul when you're, you have become fearful, envious, jealous, you don't like anyone, you don't, you, men, you need to say, God, am I becoming like this man? Have I become like Saul? Have, have I drifted down this path here? Or folks, are we like David? Any and every opportunity that lay before David, he took it. He lived his life trusting after the Lord. And God blessed him. His life was in the Lord's hand. And, and Saul's life was not in the Lord's hand. He was trying to hold on to anything he had. And Saul failed to see he already had it all. This morning, I ask you, do you see characteristics in your life of David? God blessed him with the friendship of Jonathan. God blessed him in his work. His hand was upon him and when he went to battle. While Saul killed thousands, David killed ten thousands. And God gave him a wife from Saul's family. God blessed the house of David. Jesus Christ would come from this house of David. This is the lineage that Jesus is going to come from. And I think for us, we see what happened, how God raised up this man, David, and we want the same life for us. We want the same type of church. We want the same type of family. We want the same type of friends. And the difference was, God, I'm not going to allow setbacks that happened to David. David has thrown a spear in his life. He didn't complain. He didn't talk about how bad Saul was. He didn't gossip about him. He married into his family. He thought, well, you know, maybe I just need to play the harp a little more and soothe his spirit. Maybe things will get better. That was his attitude. And we see Saul as a complainer. Our purpose this morning is look at this passage. You say, God, raise me up. Raise you up. Make us into a man like David. A man that from friendships, from work to family, we can see the blessing, the presence, and the hand of the Lord upon our life. And he'll do it. That's the God we have. That's the God we serve. And folks, there's a time, going back to that theological question, we might be sifted like wheat. And if we are, we want to respond how, if we fall, we want to respond how Peter responded. He turned back and repented. Ideally, we want to respond like Job responded. He was faithful to God to the end. Even Job's wife turned against Job. She saw how bad his life had become and looked at Job. And I want to tell you, God gave a sift you through your family and said, Job just cursed God and died. Job looked at his wife and said, Ma'am, you are talking like a foolish woman. Can we not accept both the good and the bad from the Lord? Everything comes from the Lord. Our job is to be faithful to the Lord. On good days, rainy days, and just flat out bad days, we stay committed to God. That's what David did. The Bible's instructing you and I as Bible-believing Christians to do the same. Let's all stand together. We're going to close here with our invitation. God's placed this message on your life. 
You need to respond just like David would respond. We don't complain. We don't give excuses. We boldly say, God, I am yours. I want to live for you. Jesus, I'm giving you my life. I don't want to be a house of Saul. I don't want to be an angry, jealous man. Lord, I want to be a man after your own heart, just like David. We're going to close with a song of invitation. I'm going to invite Brother Hurd to come stand down here with me. I'll be standing right here. I always invite Brother Hurd whenever he's here to join us. Some of you need to join our church. We have a wonderful church home here at Broadway Baptist Church. You can become a member right now. You come take my hand. Come take Brother Brother Hurd's hand and say, Pastor, I want to be a member. I want to belong to such a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church as Broadway is. We are going to do that. If you need to make another type of decision, maybe give your life to Christ. Now is your time to do that. We're going to sing hymn number 544 in your songbook. It's up on the screen. Have that own way, Lord. David? Thank you.